Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening, and welcome to season six of the Hinckley Report. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Max Roth, anchor with Fox 13 News, Michelle Quist, columnist with the Salt Lake Tribune, and Glenn Mills, anchor and senior political correspondent with ABC4 News. Thank you for being with us. Wow, this a lot of stuff this summer uh, has been happening. And what's I have so- no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you believe it? When the show goes off the air, we're talking about some things and uh, we're back to some of those, but it's wow. Like we're right back at where we left off. It, it's true. And, and to that point, Glenn, uh, why don't we just stump right, start right there with where we left off. At the end of last season, Michelle, schools were shutting down. Salt Lake School District in particular was. We're talking about masks. We're talking about vaccines. Turns out what all you talked about did happen, and that controversy continues. Talk about what's happened in our schools over the summer and most recently. Right. We're, we're still talking about masks, and we're still talking about vaccines, but thankfully, we're in school. So, you know, at, at least we can count those blessings. But, um, you know, there there have been some um, you know, mask, the, the legislature passed a law that said if there's going to be a mask mandate from a, a Utah, the, the, the county health has to um, pass it first and then the county council has to approve it. Um, Salt Lake County tried to do that. County health um, passed a mandate. Salt Lake County uh, council voted against that. Yes. Um, and Salt Lake City, Aaron Mendehall mayor came in and said Salt Lake City schools will be wearing masks. Grand County also, uh, they're also wearing masks in their um, schools, but you know, they did it, the, the, the council approved the mm -hmm. county health mandate. So, so Glenn, it's interesting how the two tracks went because there was an effort in Salt Lake and Salt Lake School District, and the mayor ended up needing to do it, right. uh, as opposed to what just happened in Grand County, which there was a legislatively authorized process mm -hmm. to get to a mask mandate, which Grand County did. But talk about the political dynamics of that, because that is kind of where the real interesting political yeah. theater is. Oh, boy, this turned into a fight and quick. Uh, the mayor felt like she needed to do what she needed to do to protect the kids within her city limits. So through executive order, uh, she made that order. She surprised some people when she made it K through 12. A lot of us thought it would probably be K through six, as was recommended by the county health department, but she went K through 12. It immediately drew fire from state legislators. Uh, uh, Representative Mike Schultz coming out uh, not long after it was implemented saying, look, she does not have the authority to do this. It cannot be enforced. And other people have weighed in on that as well. Most attorneys I talk to agree with that. Even those who back the mayor and what she's doing, they say this doesn't have authority and it doesn't have the teeth. However, as you look at the uh, way it's been implemented, from what I'm hearing, people are abiding by it in Salt Lake City schools. And if we're really honest, and I uh, had this conversation with, with my panel a, a couple weeks ago, if we're really honest about it, you cannot look at the situation and say Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall is not representing the majority of her constituents. She is. She's doing what the majority of them want her to do. Well, and last year we were begging them to let us go to school. The kids will wear masks. That it wasn't a problem. And now all of a sudden it's a problem to, you know, no, we, you know, we can't wear mm -hmm. masks. The numbers aren't lower. There's still a pandemic going on. People are still getting sick, especially those who aren't vaccinated. And, and yeah. you know, I, I think she did what her constituents wanted, like Glenn said. Uh, Along those lines, yeah. Michelle, you know, the, the numbers are higher. 
they're significantly higher, and especially among children. Uh, nationally, it was 12% of kids before this, this last month. It's 20, I mean, not 12% of kids, but 12% of cases were in children. Uh, now it's 25% nationally. You look at the CDC's numbers for Utah, children's cases are going way up. It's precipitous how, how fast they're going up. Primary Children's Medical Center. I was just on a call with them uh, yesterday uh, with a, an ICU nurse and their uh, a epidemiological doctor, and they they say that their um, their ICU is overflowing, um, and it's not just because of COVID. They have a lot of RSV cases mm -hmm. that they didn't see last year when masks were in place. Um, and it's so uh, the the evidence for the efficacy of masks is there. That's not really a question in terms of the facts and the science. Uh, the question is just whether it is an infringement on on freedom or so much of one that you can't require them. So, Max, what are you hearing in that regard? Because uh, these these two examples we're giving with Grand County, but also with Salt Lake City with regarding their school district, it's something that may be replicated across the state. What are you hearing uh, from legislators, other elected officials that may give us a signal about what might be coming? Well, you know, uh, like you mentioned, Grand County is really the only place that put this law into effect. I mean, it, it went in. Uh, Salt Lake County used the law as it's as the process as designed by the law, and so they don't have a mandate. Grand County does, but when we say Grand County does, the entire county has ten thousand people. They have one elementary school. Um, so really, uh, under the auspices of that law, there's one elementary school in the state that has uh, mm -hmm. that has a mandate. Uh, it's hard to imagine any other county uh, uh, not overturning it because unless it's uh, unless it's say Summit County, um, I, I think it's uh, Salt Lake, Summit, and Grand are the the three counties where there's probably the political leaning um, to do that. But elsewhere, I I, I don't see any. Uh, uh, movement in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't heard any appetite from the, the legislature to make changes to that other than to potentially close these loopholes that the mayor, Salt Lake City mayor, found to implement her mandate. I think that will be coming. Uh, whether it's in a special session this year or during interim, I'm not quite sure. It may hold off until the uh, upcoming general session next year. But I'm pretty sure that we're going to see that addressed. You know, somehow the conversation around masking is about mandates and, you know, about liberty concerns and you're forcing people to wear um, uh, masks. You know, every single one of these schools have had dress codes for decades. And most of these dress codes affect primarily the young women and what they're allowed to wear and what they're not allowed to wear. And it's mandated and they can't go to school if they're, you know, wearing spaghetti straps or if they're wearing a crop top or you're showing a shoulder, whatever it is. A mask is a piece of clothing. It's a piece of cloth. It's, you know, these clothing has been mandated. I, the conversation is um, off of public health and, and, and onto liberty. And I don't think it's uh, applicable. It's, it's totally political. This conversation has become political. You take a look at the votes as Max alluded to, uh, the areas that do have the political leaning to uh, issue these mandates. And Salt Lake County, it went along party lines. It has become so political and so controversial that when the governor brings up the idea of an executive order of his own to local district leaders, they say, thanks, but no thanks. I don't wanna touch this thing because I don't wanna be the one facing the, the public, the angry public, mm -hmm if we make that decision. Yeah, right. Max, talk about that for and a moment because they had a chance. 
the, the difficulty, I'm sorry to interrupt there, Jason, but the difficulty is um, is that what's become political also are are the facts, the, the science, and that is what is so hard to communicate across that divide because um, because we we do have these public officials who are who are making statements in like in the Salt Lake County Council about what's happening in schools and the impact of masks that simply are not true. They just are not backed up by the data and the facts. And uh, and then I, you know, you, you listen to talk shows locally and nationally, and you have media figures who also encourage people to believe things that are just provably false. And so we can't have the conversation based on those on facts. Um, and and then there's a legitimate conversation to have. Public health does infringe on liberty. It does. And uh, and it's a question of how much you can do that. And uh, but that's not the conversation that we're having. We're having this this the people believe that um, that there's malice going on in in the science. And that's hard to talk through. Well, we, we better carry this forward to when we start talking about public health and an agency of sorts. Uh, a big uh, move yesterday by President Joe Biden, Michelle. Yes. Uh, a, a vaccine requirement across the country. This is 100 million workers now in, inside this order from the president. Right. Uh, mandating vaccines for companies with over 100 employees, for um, medical you know, mm -hmm. facilities that accept um, federal funds. Um, I, I heard somebody was surprised that, that it didn't apply to universities that, uh, you know, accept federal funds. I, I, I don't think that, you know, might be far off. It was a surprise. President Biden has been saying that he doesn't want to go that way, that way. But honestly, if, if people had been vaccinated, then he wouldn't have needed mm -hmm. to. You know, it, it's so now the conversation is, is he, um, you know, is he is he trying to save lives? Is he trying to force you know, people into the anti-vaxxers and, and try to, you know, pick up the the suburbs, perhaps, you know, force people to, to be black and white on this issue. Um, or is it, you know, or is it just, you know, tyrannical anti-liberty? Yeah. Well, so let's get to this, Glenn, because mm -hmm. this is interesting. People who heard some something maybe coming from the president thought, well, this may be sort of a requirement on federal workers yeah. or someone directly under his purview. But this was much bigger. People were a little bit surprised. This wasn't just government workers. This is if you got a hundred plus employees, you're you're going to be caught up in this. Yeah, I think people were surprised that he put that into the private sector as well. I think most people were expecting that it would be mostly centered around the federal government, and so that did catch people off off guard. And the reaction we've seen here in Utah from our governor, from our attorney general, and others is, look, we strongly recommend you get the vaccine. We want you to get the vaccine, but we're not going to force you to get the vaccine. And they have called into question the constitutionality of what the president announced in his plan. Uh, I want to make sure as we're talking about these two separate groups, we have the government employees under the executive branch. Uh, those particular employees have no option to test out. These, these employers do uh, as long as they do testing uh, inside their organization, which is the interesting distinction between those two particular groups. Uh, but I'm kind of curious what you're all seeing about this reaction from the business community itself. But also, uh, I, we think we just have to hear you from Max. Our own elected officials had a response very quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the quickest was uh, from Senator Mike Lee, um, who is very tuned into issues of uh, civil liberties, um, and he came right out and called it uh, autocratic. 
um, and uh, and said that uh, and then and then went through a whole host of things that he thinks that uh, President Biden has done to infringe on liberties. And gosh, this is this is a tough question. I mean, it's that's there. Of course, that is really heavy handed what the president's doing. There's there's no question about it. But um, it, it goes back to uh, this situation that we're in. Um, you know, we, we, we've got this virus. Some people don't believe it's it's real or it's or it's that serious. Um, I'm, I looked at a poll from the Census Bureau just just released yesterday talking about Utahns who are unvaccinated. Why are they not vaccinated? Um, more than 40 percent say they don't trust the vaccines. More than 30 percent say they don't trust the government. Um, uh, a lot of people th think that the vaccines are harmful. And so. Um, that, that, but that doesn't speak to the constitutionality of a president just going in and telling uh, every business owner that they have to do this. That's a, I, 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 that's a tough one. So it is, I, and I want to get to this quote, Michelle. Maybe I can show a, a quote from Mike Lee as we were just talking about, because it does get to that heart of what Maxwell was just saying, what people across the country are talking about. Senator Mike Lee, this was a very quick response from him. He said, from ignoring property rights to shirking his duty at the border, and now coercing private citizens to undergo a medical procedure, Joe Biden has shown a wanton disregard for the U.S. Constitution. You know, I, I, I'm not falling my, all over myself over that quote because this is from the same party that uh, tried to legislate intravaginal ultrasounds for, ultrasounds for women uh, last year or the year before. You know, the, they didn't have the same concern there when, when women were um, at issue. I think the angst over this is not that it's unconstitutional. I think the angst is that it might be legal, you know, under the regulatory um, scheme that the United States uh, has broadened at this point. And nobody has, you know, tried to, I mean, they've tried to tamp down and they talk about it a lot, but both parties use it constantly, this, you know, regulatory control over people. And um, it, it, it might be legal. And I think that's the angst here. Mm -hmm. So, Glenn, th this order, this is, for a Utah perspective, this is 64% of our, of our employment, of our, of our workforce in the state. This is over 2,000 companies yeah. in the state of Utah. They're having this very same conversation. Yeah, and they're, they're wondering how is this really going to apply to them? Uh, because we've already heard threats of lawsuits coming in. Uh, when will it be implemented? How will it be implemented? Will it be implemented ultimately? So a, a lot of questions up in the air for them. And, and one point I want to bring up that we haven't hit on yet is that the president's plan also includes a $14,000 fine for businesses through OSHA that fell to comply with that. That's hefty. Mm -hmm. Just one more comment. I think that part of the a part of the tough thing on this, the part of the substance is um, is what it does to the conversation too, um, because uh, it's we're already so um, uh, so uh, there's such a big chasm between the two sides. Um, this doesn't uh, this doesn't help that, and that and that's a, that's just this difficult place that we're in, but where, where the president puts this mandate down. And and I worry about uh, the response, especially uh, on, on the more extreme end of things. Uh, if, if people um, uh, talk pretty tough about uh, about how they respond to personal freedom, uh, imposition on their personal freedom, and, and it's it, the conversation can be scary. You know, our, our Utah legislators have been um, you know, very uh, outspoken about not having to force these masking mandates or, or vaccine mandates. I haven't heard much from them about actually doing good. 
wearing masks when it's when it's you know helpful to um, the, the your neighbor, getting vaccinated because it helps you, your family, and your community. Um, you know, Utah is 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 famously known for not supporting social programs because we want um, charitable. You know, we want us to do it without being forced. If 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 we believe in doing things without being forced, why aren't we doing the things mm -hmm. that they're now forcing? If, if the country, if people had been vaccinated, the mandate wouldn't have been necessary. And um, that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. Glenn, before we leave this, it's just an interesting observation to bring together what you're all talking about, the legality of some of these moves. Maybe yes, as you indicated, maybe no. But it's just so interesting as you see local elected officials, Glenn, and also on the national level is saying, well, I, uh, the, the law may not be perfectly clear, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm taking this action because by the time we get through the court process before, by the time we get through the political process, may have had the, the desired impact. Yeah, I, th I think we've certainly seen that play out during this pandemic. There's there's no doubt about that. A, a lot of, uh, you know, we've already brought up the Salt Lake City school mask mandate. A lot of people with legal background more than me understand it more than I do. Most that I talked to have said she doesn't have the authority to do that, but she did it and people are abiding by it. And there is this mm -hmm. back and forth. Well, you know, I'm going to do it and you make your move to stop me. Yeah. And we've seen that play out a lot in this pandemic. Vaccinations are going to go up. We're watching closely, won't we? Yeah. Well, uh, let's add another thing to the difficult decisions our local elected officials have to make because there are some other issues impacting the state of Utah quite directly. Max, give us a, an understanding of what's happening. We, I'm just going to give two big broad categories, the drought and fires. <laughs> Two things we've been talking oh, yeah. about in the and, state of Utah. Categories that are entirely connected. Yes. Um, and uh, first of all, the drought, it's historic. It's been 20 years. Uh, it, the, the term exceptional drought, that's the highest risk category that they have or the highest category of drought you can get into. Exceptional is supposed to be something that happens in a tiny place, uh, you, you know, once every 100 years is what the, when I talked to the federal uh, meteorologist who put together one of those forecasts said. Um, and, and we're just, we have uh, more than half the state in it for most of the summer. It's getting better right now because it's getting colder and we've had some good rains. Um, but those wildfires, uh, you realize that uh, um, climate change has, is here. It's come to bite us. Uh, the, those fires in, in California, Oregon, Idaho, we haven't had big fires here in Utah, but it's still been a bad fire season for Utah because the wind blows our way. And uh, August was by far the worst month for particulate pollution in Utah uh, this year far worse than we had in our winter inversion months of January and February. July was the third worst month uh, this year. And uh, July and August are not supposed to be bad particulate months. We have ozone problems in the summer. They haven't gone away, but now we're dealing with wildfires and it's a, it's a serious, serious issue. Well, uh, Michelle, it, it, it's totally true. It, it is, and what's been interesting to watch uh, over the past couple of weeks too, is what Max alluded to, is we have our own issues here in the state of Utah, compounded by the fact that a lot of the smoke is coming from fires in California. Right, we can't even do anything about that. Uh, I mean, we can't put up a wall, we can't blow it out. You know, our, our geography is such that it gets stuck in the valley. Um, I do think it's it's been good to see that you know the government's education campaign for individuals, not you know for man-made fires in Utah. Those numbers have been down, and, and you know that's helpful. But 
what do you do about, you know, the, the fires elsewhere that, that blow here? I mean, I think we were worst in the world or, or top five in the world. Mm -hmm. at, at we one had point. one day where we were the worst in the world. I, I thought there was a fire next door. It was, I mean, you couldn't go outside and mm -hmm. it was states away. Well, go ahead, Glenn. So if I was at the state fair last night with the governor and we were talking about this uh, very issue, if we do not have a good winner this year, we're in big trouble. And we're in a state now where I believe it's acting as a wake-up call to state leaders. Uh, the governor is very serious about taking action this next legislative session to really impact the effect of the drought here in the state of Utah, uh, sweeping issues and, and uh, action that, that uh, he believes is necessary. And he tells me that his talks uh, with the state legislature and legislative leadership are coming along well. They recognize the problem. It's an issue. We had at least two towns that I can think of this year that's water supply totally dried mm -hmm. up. That is a dire situation. We all drive by our reservoirs and we can take a look. We can see the impact of what's going on and see that it's not good. So I do expect in the next session to see some pretty significant action when it comes to the drought. Well, it's so interesting, Max. I know you follow this this issue well, and you talk to so many of these elected officials. But we've had, we've talked about a lot of controversial issues on the program tonight. But wa water is uh, is definitely appropriately on that list because this is the oh, yeah. limiting factor for the state of Utah in terms of growth, but also what we're seeing in terms of the the climate. Yes, and it is. Um, a, the, the, Glenn is absolutely right that we're we're facing a potentially dire situation next summer because those reservoirs are perilously low and they need to be filled. Snow fills the reservoirs, rain does not. And the other thing that I mean, all of us have to think. I'm I'm lucky. I already have the ugliest yard on my block, um, and so uh, it's not that much of a sacrifice to to water a whole lot less because hey, you know. It's uh, polish whatever analogy you want. Uh, but that is, um, but really, I mean, we should probably face the fact that uh, yards in Salt Lake City should look like yards in Phoenix or, you know, Palm Springs in California or something. We are much worse at conserving water than other states thus far. We need to get a lot better. And, and you take a look at the monsoon season we had this year. It's one of the better ones I can remember. We saw all this rain coming down. Areas flooded, cities flooded, but yet that does very little, mm -hmm. if nothing at all, to get into the reservoirs. <clears throat> so that's a scary thought when you think of all the rain we had and the little impact it had on our water level. Absolutely right. Well, at least Max has an excuse for his yard now <laughs> as, as well. Uh, look, can, let's flex. <laughs> true. I, I want to talk to you just for a moment about a worldwide issue with uh, that is, is impacted by decisions in the United States and a little bit in Utah as well. I was talking about a recent poll that the Desert News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics did talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now, I just want to get your, your understanding of what you're talking to elected officials about, what people think about this. In our poll asked whether or not Utahns approve of how uh, the withdrawal was handled, which is the question, which is interesting. 26% of Utahns approved, but this is the important part. 62% of Utahns disapproved with how that happened. And once you break that down into the categories, it's not completely a partisan issue necessarily as well, particularly when you look at the Democrats, which is about 44% of them approve, 40% disapprove. Mm -hmm. but Michelle, what are you hearing about this issue? Because we, we are impacted and there are Utahns that are interested in this issue. Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks that, that the withdrawal was done correctly. Um, obviously, a lot of people, are, you know, have, have sensitive feelings about our being in Afghanistan, how long we've been there. 
um, you know, whether it was time to withdraw and, and, and even if it was time to withdraw, um, how we went about doing that. Um, I think this is this is really a, a mark against President Biden that um, I, I think perhaps even, you know, he's trying to change the subject with the with the the vaccine mandate, uh, get the focus off of Afghanistan, because it really is a blunder and, and people have lost lives and we've lost we've lost Utahns. Yeah, so interesting. Our own Senator Mitt Romney, Glenn, mm -hmm. uh, talked about this withdrawal and said it was the biggest mess up in his lifetime. Yeah. And, and we've heard that f echoed from other leaders as well, uh, being compared in a lot of ways to the exit of Saigon. Uh, and I agree, this is going to be a point that people are going to certainly look back at, and it probably will have that implication of Saigon many years and, and decades down the road. And it's the personal stories are heartbreaking. Uh, senators and representatives' phones are ringing off the hook with casework. Like, I've heard from workers, from staff, that they're literally in tears after, after taking these calls. And so it's just, it's been a bad situation all around. We lost a Marine from Utah. His family has been vocal in, in speaking out about the president. Mm -hmm. And they're not happy with how it was handled either. Uh huh. Uh, in our, in yeah, our it's hard to defend uh, how how that went. I mean, it was uh, it, it was just tr tragic. Um, I guess it's like uh, uh, if you're going to ask people, how do you think that you know they did driving the car away from that crash? You know, there, there was a there there was a. Afghanistan's been a problem. Um, you know, the Taliban approaching those sorts of things. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sure it could have been done better, um, but I'm not sure uh, that anything was going to look really good um, mm -hmm. from that situation. But uh, uh, but the other thing, you know, in comparing it across, I mean, uh, Senator Romney was alive when Saigon fell, um, and uh, that was, uh, you know, and, and um, you know, there, there have been comparable things, but it's it's a mark against him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got about 20 seconds left, Michelle. I just want to you give a, a, a small preview of what's going to happen as we as we have the, the 20th anniversary on Saturday, when this is a national day of service. Yeah. I, I know you were there at Ground Zero yeah. uh, on this day. Yeah. Your, your quick thoughts there, but this day of service too. Yeah, you know, it's really important to remember um, the change that was supposed to come from it. You know, tribulation brings, trials bring um, growth and understanding. And, and I'll never forget the feeling in New York City after, those, after that day and how we all came together. And I think that's what the, the day of service really tries to, to bring together. Thank you for that. And thank you all for your insights this evening. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review. 